1: Hello everybody, good morning, afternoon, evening. Some of you are middle of the night. So good to be with all you everyday innovators across the globe. What I love, love about my job is that I get to interview people of all different walks of life, all different backgrounds, all different experiences, all innovating and making a massive impact in their world. And today is absolutely no exception. You are gonna get so much. I hope you have your notebooks out from this inter- for this interview. Jeff, welcome to the show. Tell the world a little bit about who you are and the world that you're in.
2: Well, hello, and thanks for having me. Um, My name is Jeff Reisig. I am the district attorney, the elected district attorney in Yolo County, California, which is sandwiched in between San Francisco to the west and Sacramento to the east. And um, I've been the DA here starting my 16th year as the elected DA in um, California, which makes me now one of the old guys I've been around quite a while as a DA. And I'm also currently the president of the California District Attorneys Association, which means that I represent my colleagues, other elected DAs, um, 58 counties in California, and almost all of them are a member of the group. Um, And I represent them on uh, statewide issues um, and lots of other great stuff too. So um, as the district attorney, obviously my primary job in my county is I'm the chief law enforcement officer. So I am responsible along with my team and I have a big, great team of prosecutors and investigators and victim advocates and staff. Um, Our job is to take in all of the criminal cases that come from all of the law enforcement agencies uh, and make decisions about what cases we charge and what cases we take to trial.
1: I want to ask you a question because as you were saying your background which is kind of impressive to begin with but it also includes a combination of years of experience but also um because of serving kind of across you're saying the president of that association right you, you it also gives you a wide view of what's happening as well um when you think about when you think about your world and kind of what's happening what changes do you have you really experienced and or which ones do you see coming down the road for Kind of, I'm I'm asking kind of not just for Yolo County, but also because of kind of your broad range of expertise and experience. Like, just changes coming down all across the board.
2: That's a loaded question. There have been so <laughs> many changes in criminal justice in the last decade, um, all over the country, but particularly in California. I mean, it's it's one of the exciting things about you know being in this field. It's also sometimes frustrating, but the laws are constantly evolving and changing. Whether it's criminal justice reform issues or um, just tweaks in the law, um, there's always something changing California and across the country. Uh, but on a, a, another level, you know what I'm seeing in in the profession is there are so many opportunities uh, for improving the way we do the work by using innovation and technology to advance the practice of. Um prosecution of criminal law in ways that you know makes the system better, is more fair, um, is just better all the way around. And it's a challenge in the sense that you know government, my experience in government, I've been in government for going on twenty six years now. Uh, it is often a terrible bureaucratic, slow-moving snail of a machine. and Uh, Inspiring change and innovation in government sometimes is like you know, you know, moving heaven and earth. It's difficult, but but it is happening, and it's happening in a lot more places. And there's just a lot of exciting things being talked about.
1: I want to ask you a question about that because you said something really important in there that I think a lot of our listeners deal with which is wanting to ignite change, change needs to happen, innovation needs to happen, but they're in a system that's really big and has some legacy to it and some systems and processes and red tape to it. How do you how do you think about driving innovation when you know you're you're part of a bigger machine? Like how do you even make that happen?
2: Well, I have the advantage of being, you know, the boss in my organization, so that helps, right? I'm in, I'm empowered as useful. The, yeah, it's it's useful. I don't have to work my way through, you know, lots of layers within my own office, and so I've been able to take advantage of that, at least within the purview of the district attorney's office in my county, to um, to really just push the envelope on developing programs and kind of innovative. Approaches to issues that have been treated the same way for years. And, and I do that honestly by taking calculated risks. By, uh, you know, in my line of work, you know, my, I'm always thinking about is what I'm doing going to result in somebody being hurt or um, in the sense of compromising public safety. And, you know, most of the time, the, the projects that I'm really excited about that are new, that are innovative, um, nobody's going to get hurt if I fail. I fail a lot and I'm not afraid of failing. Um, I just keep trying and trying different ideas and different programs and most of, you know, not most, actually that wouldn't be fair, a small number of the programs that we've innovated and deployed have been successful and it's really just been by, I think, a couple of things to get to your question. The, the, the root of your question is, you know, I'm committed to innovation and improving the system. Um, I am energetic and uh, I think good at inspiring my people around me. And I'm also I've, it's been I've been lucky. I've found a lot of great people out in the private sector that have wanted to partner with us to make things happen.
1: So you mentioned failure. and then kind of a little bit later, you mentioned having some 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 of those things win or work, and those things have been high impact. Do you see it as, if we can get to a lot of little failures, calculated risks, right, that sometimes pay off and sometimes often don't, but those small ones pay off really big, the ones that actually make it through? because I, I think sometimes when it comes to innovation, we often think like everything has to either win or it's a failure or success, but it's almost a little bit like a pyramid sometimes, isn't it, where you've got failure on the bottom and there's a lot of those and sometimes they're really little, almost unnoticeable, and sometimes they're big. But those are what ladder up to, I think, the wins, don't you think?
2: Yeah, totally agree with that. The vast majority of ideas uh, don't go anywhere. They they either fail outright or they just kind of, you know, trickle out. Um, and some, once in a while, really take off and become super successful and national models for the best practice. So I that's totally been my experience. And it's also why I'm... Really, in my my core, I believe you know. Bring all ideas to the table. Bring them all, and we'll we'll look at them and figure out what might work. And those that think we think might work, we'll give them a try.
1: What are some of those things that you maybe they're big wins or things that you're really proud of the the ones that have made it through, so to speak?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, a few years ago, actually, ten years ago at this point, I mean, one of the ideas I had was you know when I go out into the community, I'm, I'm often You know, talking to people who are really passionate about the criminal justice system. They have strong opinions, you know, either for or against it. And one of my frustrations, you know, 10 years ago was like, wow, there's all of these people that I'm meeting out there that want to do something to fix the system. You know, some of them are yelling at me because they think I'm responsible for the problem. And so I wanted to figure out a way, how can I channel all of this enthusiasm and energy into something productive? And that just that idea, like how can I channel this, led me to explore options for creating a community court, what we a restorative justice program that we call the restorative justice partnership. And the long story short is we were able to take all of these people and and offer them an opportunity to volunteer in a program, run out of the DA's office that puts them directly into the system and helping us to resolve. Criminal cases through community participation, victim participation, uh, and offender participation, and so we're we've taken cases out of the criminal courts, we put them into these restorative justice partnerships with the community. I've been doing it for almost ten years in this program, and the results have been incredible. Recidivism is lower for people to go through it, and there's just overall general um, satisfaction, and all of those people that wanted to do something. They're doing something.
1: Yeah. So I love that story for a couple of reasons that I just want to highlight for the audience so they can think about this in their world. One is you did something a little bit differently. I, I would tell me if I'm wrong here, but I would venture to say that's not the traditional model of how you deal. So to be able to do it differently and actually find a way that helps the individuals that go through it and to your point, rallies the energy. I think all too often we leave a lot of people's energy on the table you know, that they don't, they don't have a place to participate. So they don't. And that energy either goes elsewhere, or it fizzles out. But I love that air for that reason. So I think it breaks the traditional mold, and involves more people than would otherwise be involved.
2: Yeah, 100%. I mean, when we started that program 10 years ago, keep in mind this California, you know, almost 40 million people, and all of these massive counties, nobody was doing this. We had, we looked at one program that, was doing something kind of like that, but it was a different format, different kind of engagement. We were the first, and we were the first to engage. I mean, over the years, we've had thousands of people who've been part of this program, you know, volunteers and and working to support the program. And that's just the people that are volunteering and the people that have gone through the program, either, you know, as offenders or otherwise are also in the thousands. So yeah, it's, it was You know, just an idea that has translated into a national model for success. You know, we've gone to Washington, D.C. on a White House invitation to talk about it uh, under the Obama administration. And we've been all over the country talking about it ever since. Um, And the community engagement piece really is one of the big successes in the program is channeling that energy into something that is so important. Right. We all care about our, our public safety. We all want our neighborhoods to be safe. This program allows people to plug into that.
0: You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on with Tamara Gondor podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible.
1: I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality, full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com link will also be in the show notes and use promo code Tamara T-A-M-A-R-A that's me to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com promo code Tamara. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. Let me ask you a question. So, um, you have been the, the first to do a lot of things in your county, in Yolo County. And then that's be, those have become uh, either role models or best practices for other people. I'm just curious what that's like. And if kind of people are now starting to look to you guys to constantly figure out the solution and, you know, move it, push it out and move it forward. Or I, I just think it's exciting to be in a first mover position and not many people are in that. So I would just love to hear from you, kind of what that's like for you and what what that means for you and your team.
2: Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, again, in California, it's a big big state and we have uh, a lot of counties that are a lot uh, wealthier They have a lot more resources. But we've, as I said at the outset, we've managed to be the first in a lot of transformational programs. Um, I think because we are, you know, I'm totally passionate about it. I wake up in the morning thinking about how can I improve the system of criminal justice in my county. I mean, I'm, I'm, we're doing the core job every day. We're, we're vetting cases and prosecuting cases, and we're going to court. We're doing that, but at the same time, you know, I don't want to be one of those government agencies mired in red tape and and a lack of change. And so, I've just wrapped my arms around innovation and looking for opportunities to improve. And we've we've had many many successes. That are now being shared around California by my colleagues, who do look to us, I think, as a model of uh, innovation and and good, um, smart reform, for lack of a better term. I think um, that's, I think, how we're seen, and you know, that's cool.
1: Well, congratulations on that in particular. I think the work you do is really important, and it makes me really happy to hear that other people are also paying attention and trying to implement it too because I don't you don't want to silo that stuff and just have it as a one-off right you want it to actually spread you said something in there that I just want to dig a little bit deeper on you said you know we do our core work we come and do our core job every day how do you give yourself and your team the room to do the core job and then also innovate And, and when I'm talking just for everyone listening when I'm talking about innovation I'm not saying like Everything has to be blue skies disruptive, but it means creatively solving a problem, doing something differently, looking ahead. So how, how do you balance those two things?
2: It's a great question. And I think it really comes down to creating a culture among my team, among everyone in this building to embrace that idea of like, we've got things we need to do, but at the same time as you're doing them, you know, if you have ideas, we want those to bubble up. You know, and, and it, it's a culture in the sense that I want to hear people in this office, they know how I feel about that. I'm constantly on the hunt for ways to build a better mousetrap and, and to make the system better and our jobs better. And it's a culture. So, you know, we've trained on it, we've talked about it, we are constantly beating the drums of, you know, moving innovation uh, down the field, again, in, in a business that is notoriously not innovative. Um, So that's, I think, you know, if if I leave anything behind um, when I'm done, I think that will probably be it.
1: So I I just want to say this. I want to point out something you said and something you didn't say, because I I think it's part of the key to why your team in particular drives so much meaningful innovation. Um, You said, you know, kind of bubbles up all the time when they're out there doing stuff. And the best innovation happens when people are actually rolling up their sleeves and doing the job. And what you didn't say is, you know, when we get together for our 3 p.m. brainstorm with our scented markers and our easel pads. Now, I'm not against a brainstorm. It needs to happen. But the best innovation happens when the pe- who, from the people who are doing the work every single day. And I think we often miss that. But that's what I hear you saying.
2: Yeah, 100%. And, and that's, I mean… It, it, There's multiple pieces to it. I mean, sure, we have our regular scheduled meetings, innovation meetings, I call them. We're meeting with people to talk about, you know, let's talk about innovative ideas and what can we do. Um, But it is the just day-to-day work that triggers people to look at processes and results and come up with other suggestions. And again, in this office, you know, the culture is, if you have a good suggestion, let us know. There is Nobody's going to say, that's a dumb idea. Don't ever do that again. We're going to say, well... That might work or, you know, no, no, that's not going to work, but keep coming. Keep them coming. And um, it's, you know, that's just, I think, hopefully uh, everybody in this office knows that on a daily basis. I mean, that's certainly the message we're trying to send.
1: It's a really important one. Uh, I want to flip it for a second. What's one of the biggest challenges you face and how have you overcome it?
2: The biggest challenge, as I said, is the bureaucracy in government. It's it's an absolute you know, epidemic within government at all levels. And California, in a lot of ways, is one of the worst as a state because we are so big, because we have such large bureaucracies and red tape. And so a lot of the things that we've been really excited to work on over the years have required us to kind of pierce that veil of bureaucracy at the highest levels you know, through the Department of Justice and, and other partners that we've had to really find ways to you know, get the work done that we want to do. That's it. That's the challenge. And every single day, I'm talking to my colleagues around the state that frankly are mired in the same frustrating bureaucracy. So that that's clearly been the challenge. It's different than the private sector in that regard.
1: What I find fascinating about what you just said is there's so much bureaucracy on one hand, you know, on the other hand, so many of us hate it. Right. So it's like this catch 22 of we're all stuck in it. We don't like it yet. We're the ones in it. <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Well, and a lot of the systems are bigger than us. I mean, these are things that have been around for for hundreds of years in some cases. And, you know, here I am just one person in a medium sized County trying to buck the trend, but we've made great progress. I mean, that's the thing is that some of the ideas that we've, have bubbled up and have turned into great programs. Have literally changed the law and changed the system.
1: What do you think is the key to dealing with resistance? And and I'm not necessarily asking about tactics. I think I'm actually really asking about mindset too. Like because you, to your point, you've got laws and vetoes, and I mean you've got so much more that is, I would say, outside of your control. Um, as well as what's in your control or what you can influence. So how do you think about it when you get that resistance, when you're trying to push something forward that you know should be done?
2: You know, honestly, I think it's just being relentless. It's just I that's it. I mean, relentless with um, excitement and positive attitude that, that, no, we can get this done. Like there is a way to make this happen. And I think that's been my only... Well, I had lots of lessons in the job, but one of the lessons again and again I've learned is you know, if, if we know it's, this is a good idea and we know that there's real potential here, we just need to be relentless in you know, pursuing options and opportunities. And Like I said, you know, one of the reasons we've had good success is I was able to reach out to the private sector in numerous situations and get the technical support and financial support and doors open that I wasn't able to get within government. And that was not, you know, a lot of my colleagues aren't doing that. You know, government is very siloed, particularly law enforcement, but um, that's how, you know, we've done
1: it. Jeff, this might be a really naive question. Do you think they haven't done it because they don't know how, because they're, they've been kind of lifers in government? So, like, that private sector is it's a whole different world, right? Different lingo, different language, different objectives, or lack of. Um, willingness to put themselves out there. Like, why wouldn't you do that? I think
2: you know. Again, I, I have the you know privilege of being the the DA, the the elected so I'm the boss within this this entity, and I'm driving. You know, I'm driving in my situation um, this culture and this pursuit. In a lot of government agencies, um, you just have different thoughts about. You know how to approach the job. I think you know a lot of people in government again at the highest levels um, are often just more focused on the day-to-day kind of monotony of the job, like getting the tasks done, you know, checking off the box on the things that need to get done on a daily basis, you know, operating within the system that's existed all along. Um, and and that's not to slam them or to say that they're they're doing a great job within the confines of the system that we've created. Um, for me, I just am more excited about trying to constantly you know, do it better and innovate. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just think that's what it comes down to is you know, who's, who's in charge, what's their vision on um, innovation, and how are they promoting that within the, the agency? Not everybody wants to do what we're doing. That's fine. Um, but I just think that it's the future.
1: Well, I think it's very easy to get stuck in the weeds in any job that you're in and start to get into, a, a, I guess, a routine of checking off the boxes. And then I think sometimes we forget that innovation helps the weeds get easier. You know, like if we're doing, if we're making the changes we need to make, those problems that we keep facing should get better, hopefully. Yeah. Totally. So, but, but we forget that because we're in the weeds. So we're just like stuck there and we're like, well, this is the way it is, you know.
2: Totally um, agree with that.
1: So you said, so you were talking about having like a real drive for innovation. I think your passion for it really comes through. So let's talk a little bit about your everyday innovator style. And then I got a question about advice for you. So you're futuristic inquisitive. Those are your two power triggers, which is very interesting to me because the futuristic is all about force through the trees. Today's problems are tomorrow's opportunities. Futuristics tend to be ten steps ahead of everybody else, um, and it's very interesting to hear you talking about like where everything is heading, what you're trying to solve, but that solve being future driven, not yesterday's problems. Um, and I think a lot of yesterday's when you solve yesterday's problems, you end up with yesterday's solutions, and actually the the world moves on, and you're still back there. So the futuristics all about tomorrow, and then the inquisitive. Is all about challenging how things are done. So inquisitives are all about poking the bear, right? It's like asking why, asking how come, not taking things on the surface. Innovation's deep for them. So futuristic and inquisitive together is forward, but also deep innovation, which is a very unique combination. And it's really great to hear, at least from my vantage point, how you really leverage that to drive change in your organization.
2: Yeah, it's. I just took the test um, earlier today, and you know. I am a lawyer, right? I mean, I'm a <laughs> prosecutor. I have, I'm driven by the truth. I'm driven by proving our case. I'm driven by, you know, weeding through all of the, the, the facts and trying to figure out what actually happened. And so I think I, I actually wasn't surprised that it identified me as inquisitive because that's my job and that's what I do. And, and I'm not, as I said earlier, I'm never going to make a reckless decision, hopefully. I'm going to consider the facts, wade through what I have to, and, and then make a decision. And, and so, even though I am very focused on the future and tomorrow and improving systems, um, I'm always in the back of my mind. I am a prosecutor who has been trained for you know 26 years to be very deliberate in considering the facts and you know, making the right call.
1: Yeah. And, and um, you know, I also think too that with futuristic and inquisitive combo, that drive, but also that ability to change something as big as criminal justice is, is part of your makeup, right? That's part of how, how you're naturally wired and how you innovate. So I think it's great that you're in the role that you're in because I think you can bring that to what is, to your point, a system that's really bigger than you. Um, I want to ask you, uh, as a futuristic inquisitive, what advice do you have for other everyday innovators of all types? who are looking to do what you've done. And I, I would say kind of on a couple levels, one is drive innovation and change in a bigger system, but also inspire your team, the community, other people around them to innovate and to do that change with them.
2: I think it starts with just being really curious and embracing that as a you know, something to spend time on. And so I've spent a lot of time over my, my years going and visiting other places and seeing other things and reading about other programs and asking questions and just trying to pull in as much information I can. And for me, that's been across the country, I've done that in some cases, you know, even looking at other countries and then bringing back, you know, excitement around some of the ideas and talking about them with people that are in my circle. And again, in my position, that's, you know, I'm able to do that pretty, pretty freely. And then, you know, trying to find, um, I'd like to try and find people that share my excitement about some of these ideas and projects. And again, whether they're internal or external, I look for partnerships and ways to collaborate on taking some of these ideas and um, moving them forward. So I think that's kind of my best advice.
1: That's great advice. And I want to ask you one other advice question, because you said, I've learned a lot of lessons on the job. What is one big lesson you've learned that you would love to impart on other people?
2: <laughs> yeah, there's so many. Um, uh, as much as I am constantly looking to the future and pushing and, and all of that, I, I have learned to take some deep breaths and sometimes to just stop and, you know, ruminate to, to think about these ideas um, uh, a little bit more. And again, particularly my job and, and, the people that I'm dealing with, you know, victims of crime and, and public safety, I have serious um, issues to, to always consider. And so um, my biggest lesson is just, this is for me. You know, sometimes I just, I pull on the reins a little bit and look around and make sure that, you know, where I'm going is actually um, a smart investment of time and and resources in light of all of the other priorities.
1: I really, I like that. I probably need to hear that more so than anybody else because I tend to just drive, drive, drive. Um, And I find, I don't know if you find this, I find that sometimes the best time to pull on the reins and just take a break is when I think I'm absolutely sure of what the next steps should be. Like I've moved too quickly and I'm too confident. That's actually when I know like, whoa, tomorrow it's time to back it up for a second and just make sure I'm thinking this through because I've found a lot of holes in my thinking that way.
2: Exactly. That's exactly right.
1: All right. So Jeff, my last question for you is personal, which is what's one thing we'd be surprised to learn about you.
2: Oh boy. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I'm an elected official. I really shouldn't say (laughs) what do I do when I'm not here? Um, I'm fascinated with science fiction. Maybe that's not surprising.
1: Oh, I don't know. Well, Tom, what do you like? Give me an example. of What you mean by that?
2: I, I spend a lot of my time, to my wife's dismay, watching you know science fiction shows about uh, you know the future of uh, you know space travel and Earth and everything else. So that's you know maybe that's how I escape the um, the day to day reality of being a prosecutor in criminal law. But that's that's where maybe- I like to spend my time.
1: So I'm a, I am am a little surprised, but also maybe that helps gives you ideas because every time I watch the sci-fi stuff, I'm like, well, that's brilliant. Like who, who would have thought of that? But they did in some fantasy land somewhere. So you never know. Never know. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you giving us a, a view of kind of your world, the criminal justice world, what you've been able to do in your community. Um, obviously, thank you for the work that you do. I think you and your team do an incredible work. And I am, kind of, I guess, most thankful and excited for the fact that it's actually driving change and rippling out across um, the criminal justice world, across the United States, not just kind of, you know, in one place. And one place is really important, but I think the bigger change is
0: important, too. So thank you for joining me.
2: Thank you. It's been fun.
0: Congratulations! By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit tolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon in the meantime if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast let tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment your review equals more guests more listens bigger impact until next time